The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Morning. It's good to, uh, good to be with you and to be starting off this new preach series um, on the whole subject of identity. Um, I think it's such a big topic in our day, it's such a big topic in our culture, and I think it's really important that we have a good self-understanding, so we understand ourselves well, but also that we understand what the Bible has to say about it, because that's where we, base, that's where we build from. We build from what Scripture says um, on this subject. Two years ago, we did a preach series called Restored. Some of you may remember, no, no problem if you don't remember. You know, I struggle to remember sometimes what happened two weeks ago. Um, but we were looking at whole aspect again to do with this subject based in Freedom in Christ material, which was helpful, and I'd encourage you to go back and revisit it. Over the coming months, we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle. And my, certainly my hope and prayer is that as we do that, um, you will find it helpful. We want to answer questions like, who am I? So not who am I, as in Paul Mann, but, but you answer the question, who am I? Um, we look at what changed in our identities, if anything, when we became Christians, or maybe what hasn't changed in ident- our identities when we became Christians. Should it make any difference to our daily life? What's my responsibility and what's God when it comes to change? And we want it to be really practical. We want to give you tools that you can use in the everyday. So this week's going to be a bit more introductory. Next week's going to be a bit more introductory. So I'm going to be looking at the whole thing of our foundations um, in salvation and what's happened to us. And then next week, Andrew Bump will be looking at how identity is formed and where we go to find out who we are. Now, before we turn to the Bible, I know if you've been with us regularly, you know we turn to the Bible quickly. Um, We're not going to start there. Um, I want to get you um, thinking first. And I want you to start with this question. Who am I? Who am I? If I was to ask you that question or the person next to you were to ask you that question, how would you answer it? If we can turn to slide one, that would be absolutely brilliant, Hudson. That would be great. Your your identity or where you look to maybe find it will come from external and internal factors. So it could be your relationships. You could say, I am a wife or I am a husband or I am single or I'm an aunt or an uncle. It could come from your job or your role. You could look for it in your education or your upbringing. You may look for it in your ethnicity or the stage of life you're at. You may think, oh, I'm middle-aged, I'm over halfway, what, what, you know, how did the first half go? A little bit of um, self-reflection there. Anyway, um, it, it could be from a trauma in your life. There could be something that's happened in your past and that has a massive impact on how you view yourself. Or it could be a really good life event. It may be your gender or character traits. It may be dominant feelings that you run with. It could be your personality. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Um, Do you like to get stuff done? Do you just like to hang out with people? Do you like to influence and change how they think? It could be your faith. 
I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. It could be sort of dominant behaviours, could be sexuality, could be health. If particularly, well, maybe if you're struggling with ill health, or actually if you're like me, peak of physical abilities, um, you may define yourself in that way. It could be values that you hold or habits that you do regularly, or it could be something else. Any one of a number of those things could go into making up how you describe yourself, internal, external factors. I was recently listening to someone who was giving a seminar and they were from the Middle East. She described herself like this, if we could put up the next slide, please. She said she was an Israeli Arab who was a professor. Next slide, please, Hudson. Brilliant. She's an Israeli Arab professor woman who is a Christian. And you might think, do all of those things go together in, in one person? Can you have an Israeli who is also an Arab who is also a Christian? And she was sort of saying, yes, you can. That is, that is, that's me. That's who I am. And in her culture in the Middle East, um, the fact that she was a Christian, a professor and a woman was a little bit countercultural, and she was challenging stereotypes. So I want you to take 60 seconds, either on your own or with the person next to you, and I want you to describe who you are. Who you are. You've only got 30 to 60 seconds. If we can put the next slide up, please, Hudson. That's it. How would you fill in those five white blobs? Internal, external factors. Fifteen seconds left. Five, four, three, two, one. Silence. Not bad. Well done. I want you to introduce. I want to introduce you to my imaginary friend. So when I was talking to my imaginary friend Harry. These are the answers that he came up with. So, he was middle-aged, he was a husband, he thought he was slightly insecure, he was introverted, and he was an electrician. Now, we will come back to Harry a little bit later. In actual fact, we're going to follow Harry through my preach, as it were, um, Sorry. Yes, we are going to come back to Harry in a little while. I completely lost where I was there. Now, look, we've spent some time thinking about us. What does the Bible have to say when it comes to our identity? If we can turn to the next slide, please, Hudson. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Every human being 
is an image bearer of God. We are therefore precious and we are born, every single human being is born with intrinsic value. We display and reflect and communicate what God is like. We are like mirrors, seven billion mirrors on the face of the planet displaying something of what God is like. There is something of calling attention to God and his glory in how we live, think, feel, speak and act. Now, if knowing that we've been created in God's image is true, then that must also, don't you agree, shape how we view our identity. So if we go on to slide six. So for Harry, he is still middle-aged, he's still insecure, he's still a bit introverted, but he's also created in the image of God. But we know that the Bible doesn't finish, does it, at Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 3, things take a turn for the worst. And the devil persuaded human beings that our glory is more important than God's, and we turned away from him. And ever since, human beings have gone their own way. Rather than reflecting God's glory, we'd rather seek our own, and the Bible calls that sin. And although the falling away from God didn't destroy us as image bearers, it has defaced us. Like a great masterpiece, you can still see something of the glory, but it is ruined in some ways. That is a Van Gogh sunflower painting, and I'm led to believe that that is Heinz tomato soup all over it. You can see something of the glory of the painting, but it's been defaced. Human beings created in the image of God, but defaced by sin. So this must also be taken into account when thinking about our identity. And as we revisit Harry, we see he is created still in the image of God, but he is defaced and he is polluted by sin. 60 seconds. Person next to you. In what ways... Have, have you as an image bearer of God been defaced by sin? In what ways has sin affected you? 60 seconds, person next to you, or you can think about it on your own. Ten seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. The Bible says that sin has affected every part of us. I'm not only defaced by it as an image bearer of God but I am polluted by it as well. And if we pop up the next slide, please, Hud. Feelings of fear, rejection, weakness, exclusion, guilt, uncleanliness, 
all have power to grow from that root of sin in every human heart. This is not how we were made to be, but that's the impact of us turning away from God and living for our own glory rather than his. Some of these take root because they come out of our own hearts. Some of them take root because of things that have been done to us by other sinful people, but they have space and they have room to grow there. So let's visit dear old Harry, who's getting an awful lot of attention this morning, our middle-aged, slightly insecure electrician. We see defaced, polluted by sin. He is a sinner, and that affects him. It, it affects how he's a husband. It affects how he does his job. The something of the insecurity has come in and been fed by the fact that he is plugged into this sinful, broken root, which wasn't there at the beginning. We find that sin pollutes every part of his life. Everything gets tainted, some parts more than others. But we find that Harry particularly struggles with rejection, weakness and guilt. And for you, there may be other things off that list, other things that impact you or affect you. As I've said previously, the fall doesn't destroy us as image bearers, but it has defaced us and it needs to be restored, repaired. We need to be remade in the image of the creator. And that is what Jesus Christ came to do. That's why God clothed himself with humanity and became a man. That's why um, he lived a perfect life and he died a cruel death on the cross. That's why the Apostle Paul, we heard last week, said, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because it's only that that can change the root. You can't change the root by good effort or by trying really hard. You need a radical transformation on the inside if you're going to be changed from a sinner, one defaced, um, polluted by sin, you need a radical transformation to take place. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18, I don't think there's a slide for it, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. The old identity dies in a moment when we give our lives to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And I am renewed. If we pop up the next slide. Oh, it was there. So when Harry comes to know Christ, something fundamental has changed in the core of his being. He is no longer a sinner he is a saint. A transformation has taken place. He is born again. He is a holy one. And as an image bearer of God, a great restoration has started. In a moment, that great restoration has started. And this is massive. But you'll notice looking at this slide, not everything changes. He may wish he wasn't still middle-aged, but he is. The insecurities will probably still be there. Feelings of rejection and weakness will probably still be there as well. Maybe some of the guilt's disappeared as he realised that Jesus has carried it. But when we talk about being a new creation, it doesn't change everything, does it? We know we don't get new physical bodies or anything like that. But something radical has 
taken place. Once I was a sinner and rejected by God. Now I am a holy one. And that happens the moment you give your life to Jesus. Now, just as negative feelings and thought patterns flowed from that sinful root when Harry was away from Christ, now Harry has power for much better fruit to grow because he is in Christ. In actual fact, Jesus Christ lives inside of you if you're a Christian. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what the Bible says. So instead of rejection, acceptance, instead of feelings of weakness and inadequacy, an empowered life, empowered by the same power, the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, instead of guilt, forgiveness. Becky prayed something out earlier about shame. Shame is part of the old root. It's not who you are in Christ now, even if you still struggle with feelings and a sense of it. And this is just the start of Harry's journey. He gets to grow into Jesus' likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and says this, and this is true for all of us. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That means we meditate on it. We think about it. We pickle ourselves in who Jesus is like an onion in pickledness. You know what I mean? Yeah? Like you put an onion in vinegar and it tastes like vinegar. We, we pickle ourselves in what Christ has done for us and it affects us. It, it changes us. Not maybe one of my best illustrations. Anyway, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let's pop up that next slide. Oh, we've got it up there. Harry, who is a saint, and the power of Jesus Christ flowing into his life. He needs to realise that something critical in his identity has changed. Right at the core of who he is, he is a holy one. He is loved. He is accepted. He is forgiven. He is empowered by God. And Harry's daily focus is about seeing Jesus formed in him. What does the gospel say about being a husband? What does the gospel say about being an electrician? Well, not a great deal about being an electrician, but it, it does talk about work. What does it say about being middle-aged or his insecurities? These things might still be part of and will be part of who he is, but he's been cut away from sin and he's planted into Jesus. The gospel won't change him from being a husband or electrician, but it does have something to say about those things. With his insecurity, it may take some time, but the gospel has something to say about that as well. And that's what we do as Christians. We find out what the gospel has to say and in prayer, and in the word of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the encouragement of one another, we align our lives with what Christ says about us. Harry's restored identity as a saint, a son, 
forgiven, redeemed and empowered needs to flow into all these areas of his life as well and restore them. And over the coming months, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at this new identity. What is this new restored image look like? What are the characteristics of it? What are the building blocks of it? And we're going to unapologetically sit in Ephesians chapter 1, actually the first half of Ephesians chapter 1, right the way up till Christmas and a few weeks beyond that as well. We're going to look at, look to answer some of these questions. Am I blessed or cursed? Yes, on, you're half right on that. Half right, yes and a no. Am I chosen or rejected? Am I loved or unlovable? Am I adopted or an orphan? Am I forgiven or guilty? Am I redeemed or enslaved? Am I powerful or weak? Now, I'm sure if I ask you that question, like theoretically, you can all put your hands up and get 100% right on that one. But Christian life isn't about theory, it's about practice. It's about what does it look in our everyday lives. And the truth is for myself, some of these I find easier. I know that I know that I know that I am loved and that I am adopted. I, I, I just know that is the case. But the truth is, I don't always know God's power flowing through me and I'm not always confident of his power towards me. I need to grow in that. And I imagine that for you, it will be the same. There will be different areas where you're thinking, I think I've grown in that. I think I get that. I think not just up here, but in here. But there will be other areas where you struggle a little bit more. Can I just invite the band back up, please? What I want us to do as we finish, or as I finish, you'll be carrying on for a little bit longer. As I finish, I would... I would love us to stand and I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 over you. And I pray that as I do that, the wonderful truth of what Christ has done for you, these new building blocks of identity that are all in there will come afresh to us. So you up for that? Brilliant, why don't we stand? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the radical transformation that took place when I came to know you. Lord, I thank you in the core of my identity, a great transformation took place. I thank you, Lord, that an eternal transformation took place. Lord, I thank you for those of us here that know you. We can never be more secure than we are right now. That's right. We are absolutely 100% loved by the living God. And he has adequately displayed it to us in the death of his son and our adoption as children. We have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You precious Holy Spirit 
living within us. The power of sin is absolutely broken in my life. It's a mm. finished historical event because Christ died in the cross, on the cross. I was hidden in Christ. I died with him. Yeah. And even if my experience differs from that, the mm. reality of it has not changed. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ. I ask you over these coming months, both individually and corporately, we will be so rooted, so bedded in, so persuaded in this new identity that we have in you, it would be absolutely transformational. I pray for those of us that have been around for years and feel like we've got it all, I ask you for fresh revelation that we would know you better. And I ask for those that are much newer in. Oh Lord, I pray, I pray Lord God, it would do their souls good. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us here at King's in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one in he loves. In, in, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, 